Hanukkah. 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 You're listening to Hanukkah Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Paige Willett and Adesh Nakas, Borewadme Ndao. I'm your host, Paige Willett, CPN tribal member and employee. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and rate us. CPN member and View and Johnson family descendant Barbara Wall lives in Ontario, Canada. She works as an assistant professor in the Indigenous Environmental Studies and Sciences program at Trent University in Peterborough, where the beautiful Otonabee River runs through campus. She feels her Potawatomi ancestry and love of water guided her toward her place in the world as an academic and her research. It even inspired her Anishinaabe name. The very strong connection that I feel to the water of the Great Lakes. Um, I grew up in New York State, and um, then my undergraduate education was at Michigan Tech, so that's on the um, south shore of Lake Superior. And going there and being on that land and um, around that water was a really um, really emotional experience of returning home, um, something that I hadn't experienced before. So that was just kind of emphasizing my connection and, and our connection as Potawatomi people to the Great Lakes. And also I see that our Anishinaabe names, our spirit names, can be guiding in, in the work that we do. My Anishinaabe name is Mokchuin Kwe, and Kwe, of course, meaning woman, but Mokchuin is water as it's bubbling up from the ground. I have so many connections with springs and springs and ceremony and specific springs that um, it just kind of all came together as as my passion you know also I grew up canoeing I was a competitive swimmer when I was younger um, I was always in or on water um, as as a young person although the current citizen Potawatomi Nation headquarters are located near Shawnee Oklahoma in the Great Plains the citizen Potawatomi people built their lives around and knew the Great Lakes region and its forests as their homelands and the place they were prophesized to spend their time on earth the Great Lakes in Lake Michigan in particular is truly our, our homeland from the beginning of our existence as Potawatomi people. We've been water people. We've been canoe people. Um, water has always provided, like with any people, but water has always provided everything that we need. Um, and everything that all of creation, all of the other than human beings need. And just to really understand how, how precious water is. And I, and I know that people that live in the Great Lakes area um, always think that there's an abundance of water and that there's always going to be water around, right? Because, because you, especially living here where I, where I live in the Kawartha Lakes, I mean, it, you know, you can't drive more than a half a mile before you cross a river or come to a lake. Um, so there's that misconception that we have 
an abundance of water, but to also understand that all of the water that we have right now on earth is all the water that we'll ever really have because it's here and we don't have any other sources of water. We can only use fresh water and that fresh water is just a minor, minor percentage of the water that exists on the earth. We all need to protect it and we need to honor her and understand her as, as a living being, as a, as a spirit that we need to live in relationship with. As a doctoral student at Trent University, Wall returned to her love of water and felt inspired by her ancestry to research Potawatomi water knowledge. It changed and developed her views even more about Earth's most precious resource. And hopefully our research always makes us look at things in a different way and to discover new things. So I learned a lot about um, from various people about how to you know, even simple things that, and when I say simple, there's, you also have to think about things seeming simple, but they're very complex once you start to look at them. But the simple um, act of gathering water, of scooping up water to use to hold water ceremony with or to make medicines and the different practices of gathering the water from different sources. For instance, gathering water from a flowing river and really honoring the way that the water's flowing. I think we, you can imagine like if you go into a creek that's running, you got a bucket, you're going to dip it in and you're going to let the water flow into the bucket, right? Because that's the easiest way to do it, but that isn't necessarily honoring the way the water's flowing. And in other cases, um, making an offering, whether it's uh, sema, uh, tobacco or strawberries or cornmeal to the spirit of the water before you gather the water. So those were things that I hadn't really thought about before. So those kind of things, um, I mean, that's just a small fraction of the different practices that were shared with me. It really opens your mind to think about, well, if if there's that much intention involved in 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 gathering some water what about you know what about other things kind of opens up your heart and your spirit right to think about and to realize how knowledgeable and strong and amazing our ancestors must have been in Nishnabe culture men light and tend to the fire and women protect and carry the water Quek or women hold a sacred duty to hold water ceremonies and speak for it. Wall dedicated a significant portion of her dissertation research to studying this special relationship. It's our role, it's our responsibility to protect the water, to carry the water, to pray for the water, to sing for the water, to hold water ceremony. And that's related to our physicality in terms of um, when we are given that gift of, of being able to carry new life within our bodies, that our babies are surrounded by water and contained in a water vessel. So in that case, we're, you know, we're truly literally water carriers. And that's the connection um, because water is life 
And we're really the only door that new human life can come through, right? We bring life, we carry life, and um, that's that connection to the water. More than a decade ago, Wall wrote a poem about grandmother's role in the world. She saw a call for essays and creative writing about them and their role as elders in various communities and cultures from a publisher for a collection, Grandmothers and Grandmothering, Creative and Critical Contemplations in Honor of Our Women Elders. I guess the basis of it came out of um, something that I saw or came to me during a... uh, a pipe ceremony, and I had this image or feeling of grandmothers and grandmothers holding up the earth. And so I took that and wrote a poem about it. And that poem sat for several years. And then there was this call for essays. Um, I never had an essay published or really written an essay outside of academic context before. So I just kind of came up with how can I expand this poem? How can I embed this poem in an essay that talks about the roles and responsibilities of Anishinaabe grandmothers? Um, And somehow it all came together. I put in a proposal to the editors of the book and they said yeah we want you to write this um and I really didn't expect it it was a very very long process um was just very honored to be able to learn about roles as as grandmothers and um to make that connection of grandmothers upholding community upholding family and and then really upholding the land and the water that that we live on. During the 2022 Potawatomi Gathering, Wall led a session about her research to connect Potawatomi members throughout Turtle Island with their traditional beliefs about water. As more and more participants arrived, the class moved from a conference room to an auditorium. After sharing a digital story, song, and a bit about Potawatomi water practices, Wall began a talking circle and invited everyone to discuss their experiences with water. It was her first presentation to tribal members on the subject. This water workshop came out of um, my PhD dissertation research that was focused on um, remembering, reclaiming uh, Potawatomi women's water knowledges and practices. And part of my original research plan was after I had a conversation or visited with um, research participants from really all over the Potawatomi Nation as a whole, you know, thinking broader of Oklahoma, Kansas, into Michigan and Wisconsin and Ontario, that I had intended to take that kind of information that I gathered and present it to community, present it to the various families and communities that my research participants were from. However, the global pandemic 
changed a lot of that. And um, I had originally intended to present at some earlier gatherings, right, that got postponed because of the pandemic, and then finish my dissertation based on, on that information and um, experience. But I had to do it in a different way. I had to complete my dissertation and then bring that knowledge and kind of experience back to our people. We try to, in Indigenous studies research, really make sure that our research benefits our people. That was the whole intention. Um, so I approached um, the Hannaville community about giving this workshop. People seem to really enjoy it and to have a chance to not only listen, but to share their connection with water. We all uplifted each other in talking about that. And um, I was actually surprised. Originally, I thought we were going to be sitting in a circle in one of the kind of breakout rooms. And then we were in that you know, performance space. I thought, nobody's going to talk. Um, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to fill this time commitment if if people aren't talking? And, and then I found myself thinking, okay, how am I going to wrap this up? Everybody keeps sharing more and more. What am I going to do? But that seemed to be the connector and real highlight of the experience was listening to each other rather than just listening to me talk. As a professor of both undergraduate and graduate courses, Wall takes a different approach with her students. In the fall of 2022, she also began serving as the acting director of studies for the doctoral program as part of the Chani Winjak School for Indigenous Studies, the same program from which she received her doctorate in May 2022. There's a whole year-long course that our PhD students take focused on indigenous knowledge and um, indigenous knowledge on the land. And we split that between Anishinaabe teachings and Haudenosaunee or Iroquois teachings. So I'm the instructor for the uh, Anishinaabe portion of the course. And that was one of the reasons why it made sense for me to step in, because I'm recent graduate of that program and, and know a lot of the of the PhD students. So there's already an established relationship. It was very, yeah, it is really exciting to step into that role. It's intimidating because um, the previous director was an elder and held so much knowledge of living on the land. Um, and it was also, I think, it was interesting because the first couple classes that we had, um, I could almost feel him there and feel him kind of like, okay, Barbara, you better step up and remember to tell them this and remember that. But um, I didn't anticipate kind of the emotional context of, of missing him so much because he was such a close friend of mine as well. One of the outcomes of my dissertation was the development of a, of a new course here in the Indigenous Environmental Studies and Sciences program called Indigenous Knowledge, Water in the Great Lakes. Um, so it's a half-year course um, that's taught at the third year, and it involves the understanding water as like a great connector, connector of humans to the more than human beings and connector of 
the earth and into the sky world and into the star world. So we look at that and we take a look at some of the, um, I guess for lack of a better term, the metaphysical beings that we as Potawatomi people associate with the water. So the thunderbirds and the underwater panther, um, little people, uh, mermaids, mermen, um, tons of stories about those. And, um, and then also start to look into the politics and the complexities of water governance in the Great Lakes, because you know, there's two countries, Canada the, and the US, there's at least, I think nine states and a couple provinces, and then all of the indigenous communities and, and indigenous nations and tribes. So it becomes very complex. So educating students about those kind of complexities. I really love this course. <laughs> As climate change worsens drought and intensifies weather, the absence or abundance of water in any one place at a particular time shows its power. One of her undergraduate classes, Foundations in Indigenous Environmental Studies and Sciences, focuses on the philosophies of Indigenous and Western knowledges, applying collaboration between them to specific current environmental challenges. I see that there's a lot of hope in that this current generation of students are persistent, are for the most part outspoken and brilliant. Um, what we do in the Indigenous Environmental Studies and Sciences program is find ways to bring knowledge systems together so to bring indigenous knowledge and all that that contains, uh, so like Anishinaabe ecological knowledge and environmental knowledge together with mainstream science. So that instead of kind of seeing things as like a flat circle of information and knowledge, but to see it as a sphere, to really look at things multidimensional, and also transdisciplinary between the different um, knowledge sets, knowledge systems of science. So between biology, between ecological restoration, between ecology and chemistry, and, and bring that together with indigenous knowledge, um, our students are able to see things in a, in a, a much more dimensional way a much more deeper understanding um, and to get out of kind of the um, siloed thinking that science has, you know, like you look at biology um, and you're only thinking of things from a biological perspective, but if you're combining knowledge systems, you think of it from a holistic way. Students are beginning to understand that that's the way to move forward. And when you combine that with critical thinking, and creative thinking, then our students are able to innovate in ways that previous generations haven't been able to. So that's where I see the hope. The first year course that I teach is, um, is always a challenging and really fun course to teach because it's the foundational course for the program. But Trenton University um, 
and some other universities in Canada have created a policy where every incoming student has to take a half year course with Indigenous studies content. So my course ends up being the um, that choice for science students, for computer science students, for business majors, for nurses, um, for Indigenous studies, for mathematicians, for forensic psychologists. So we get this really wide diversity of um, student skills and perspectives. And then we try to bring it together and, and um, learn from each other. So it really enriches each other's experience. But as an instructor, it makes it hard to make things relevant to each one of those disciplines. Having the students understand that, oh, I can, you know, even though I'm a biologist, I can learn from a, a psychologist and we can put our heads together and combine our skills and our knowledges. Um, it really kind of fosters a spirit of collaboration, which I think also gives me hope. And it's really kind of like a, a philosophy of knowledge course combined with case studies where you're applying different knowledge systems or bringing different knowledge systems together to apply them to a real world case. A couple of weeks ago in class, a student came up at the break and said, I really want to thank you for this assignment that you had us do because I had never thought about how I know what I know or what I know or what I don't know. I've never thought about that before and this assignment forced me to do it. So thank you, I found that I understand the world and myself a lot better now. Um, you know, cause usually students have questions about assignments like how do I do this? Or, or there's complaints about assignments. Um, and this was an appreciation um, which just, yeah, blew me away. Wall views her opportunities as an author, professor, and researcher as reminders of her life of abundance since childhood, only possible because of the sacrifices of her Potawatomi ancestors and women before her. She works to pass on this knowledge gifted to her to better the world through the next generations. As a person with, um, you know, who went through excellent public schools, education was an expectation in my family. It was the norm. It wasn't ever pushed on us, but I knew once I graduated high school, I was going to go on to, to college. And there's a real privilege that goes along with that, right? Um, and encourage others to take advantage of the, of the gifts and the privileges that are put in your path, to take that and use it in a way to really help our people and to help all of creation and all of life. The first edition of Grandmothers and Grandmothering Creative and Critical Contemplations in Honor of Our Women Elders came out in October 2021. Find the book on Amazon at cpn.news backslash grandmothers. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Please click the subscribe button and leave us a rating. And share the show with your family and friends. You can find CPN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potawatomi. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at potawatomi.org. 
That's P-O-T-A-W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Megwetch Nikanek, Mamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.